Think Red Ink Ministries presents The Words of Jesus series with Don C. Harris Hello friends, welcome once again to the Words of Jesus series. We've been, for several episodes now, going through this little book called The Words of Jesus. And uh, I'm always excited to bring this to you. Uh, to share this book with you and the ideas that you, you're going to have ideas and thoughts that you've never had before. When, and the reason is, is because the words of Jesus, the red ink in the scriptures, well, unfortunately is very unfamiliar to the average Christian. Well, it won't be after this series, so we hope that you're enjoying yourself. Uh, this particular book uh, is, is a compilation of what Jesus had to say. Uh, from all of our Gospels that we have in our Bible. And we're going to find out exactly how he loves and instructs and corrects the people of the earth. And, um, and during that time on the earth, you know, he, he covered a lot of things that, the, you know, he actually covered things and, and talked about things that didn't actually apply to the people he was talking to. You know why? He was thinking about you. He was thinking about uh, the time that we live in and, and the troubles and the problems that perhaps that we're having. And um, you remember when he said, uh, I have sheep that are not of this fold? He told his disciples that after he goes away, he's going to call all these things to remembrance. He's got a plan. He had a plan then. He's got one now. And uh, what that was is that these things are recorded for our edification and to and to give us what we need on this earth i think that the average christian when they when they consider their spiritual condition that they have a feeling of inadequacy that i think haunts them that they just don't have the ability to find what they need to get by every day there's a lot of reasons for this um and one of them i'm sorry to say comes from our conventional churches and the conventional preaching that we all grew up with. And, uh, and that essentially is that um, you, uh, you sin every day and that uh, you don't have uh, the ability to understand these scriptures without... Um, and and this, is, this is true, but it's misunderstood. And, and, I, and I try to preface this because I don't want this to shock you but I think we've been told that you can't understand the Scriptures without the Holy Spirit. Well, what, what, is, a, what is a Christian doing without the Holy Spirit? And the, you know, it, it's almost silly to even think about, well, why is he without the Holy Spirit? Well, uh, and I say again, unfortunately, it's because of some of the poor doctrines and theology that we've been uh, handed over the years. And uh, one of those things is that what God has to say to you, He has written in a book. And uh, that is where you're supposed to get your instruction from. Now listen to me, nobody respects the Bible like I do. I mean, this, this is not a, a, a matter of discounting the Scriptures, but the promise of Jesus Christ was that if you'll keep my commandments... I'll move into you. I'll speak to you from the inside out, from the inside up. Uh, 
and you're going to hear my voice. As a matter of fact, the word that he used, which I thought was just a, a, a beautiful thought, was that if you'll keep my commandments, my Father and I will take up our abode in you, and we will manifest ourselves to you. Now, to manifest yourself is much more than simply appearing physically, appearing mentally, appearing in some vision, or even appearing at all. To manifest something to someone else, to manifest yourself to them, is uh, that they would walk away with a manifestation of you. Well, just your appearance is not a manifestation. Essentially, what you say is not in a manifestation of you. It's, it's, it's more than your philosophy. It's more than your theology. It's really who you are. And this was the promise. And if that's the promise that he's going to manifest himself to us and never mention the Bible... I, I think that's a, a, a really a strange curiosity. You know, Jesus actually mentioned the scriptures very few times. Um, and if the scriptures aren't to occupy such a predominant place in our life, you just think that he would have said, when I go away, don't worry about a thing, I'm going to send you a book. But... What he said he was going to send us is the very thing that conventional Christianity says you, that you should beware of that. Why is it I should beware of that? Well, because you, you, know, you don't know if that's the voice of God or the voice of the devil. We know that when we read the scriptures. So what, what have we done to the scriptures? We've turned it into a talisman. We've turned it into a book of incantations. We've turned it into a magic. Well, let me tell you something. Uh, many, many a person has been led astray with this book right here. You have to understand that men like David Koresh and uh, men like Jim Jones, they did what they did with this book firmly in their hand. They preached this to people with this book firmly in their hand. We have to be careful no matter where we are. But when it comes to being led of the Spirit of God, here's what you should know. Sure, the scriptures have, have developed among well-meaning people approximately three or four thousand Christian denominations. It has, it has taken well-meaning people and, um, and people have read in there and interpreted in there until they have created subsequently 30 to 40,000 denominations that uh, can't even agree with each other, all based upon this book. Let me tell you something about the Holy Spirit that you should know. The Holy Spirit of God has never led a person not one centimeter, not one millimeter to the right or the left, of perfect truth ever. It has never done that. If there is deviation, that deviation is within ourselves. We've been talking uh, for the past several episodes about fasting and what a wonderful tool that is for us to get control of this flesh in us that gives us so much trouble. 
And many times it's the flesh, it's our mentality, it's us, essentially. It's us who takes the truth of God and changes it. It's not the Spirit of God. Satan doesn't speak to us. You know, well, you know, it might be Satan speaking to you. Do you know the Bible teaches us that if we live like we're supposed to live, the wicked one touches us, touches him not. Is that true or is it not? Jesus says, I know my sheep and they hear my voice. A stranger's voice, they don't hear a stranger's voice. They won't follow a stranger because they're my sheep. Are these promises to you, are they really worthwhile? Are they dependable? See, I happen to think that they are. And um, I've found that even when I get it wrong, my father helps me get right. I've even seen him fix the mistakes I made in good intention and, uh, and straighten things out anyway. Uh, so, you know, this is perhaps a little more complicated than you might have thought it was, but it's certainly not harder than the way we've been living up until now. We, that's why we seek out translations and seek out preachers and seek out seminars and we go from here to there and from there to here and read these books and listen to these DVDs and stuff. Why? It's our good intention. We want, we want to be people of God. We want to know things. We want to understand this stuff. Well, uh, there is one way that you can... Now, this is not going to put you in good graces with a whole lot of people. If that's your intention, you need to continue what you're doing. But if your intention is to know truth, Jesus said that you shall know the truth. You shall know the truth. Why? Because the Spirit of God is revealing to you what? A-L-L truth. All truth. All truth. And uh, is, there, is there a better place to look? Is there, a, is there a, uh, a, a more accurate place to seek? No, there's not. Now, what about the Scriptures? I love every word of them. As you should know if you've been following this series... I appreciate the fact that he has given us these scriptures and that he's reiterated these stories and that he's brought to our minds uh, the things that happened in history. And uh, I mean, we have, we have historical documents here. We have things that, that, uh, that are, are written by men and that had relationships with God. Absolutely incalculable value. Absolutely. And it's, it's the most... I mean, outside of the gift of the Holy Spirit, the gift of the Scriptures in our day, friend, I want to tell you something. These haven't been around that long. Christianity is much older, much older than the availability of Scripture. So um, how did they get along without it? Well, they believed what Jesus said. I'm going to send the Spirit of God, and He's going to live inside you. Well, that's just a small recap on chapter 14, and we're going to continue now with chapter 15, Jesus Heals a Lame Man. In Jerusalem, by the sheep market, was the pool of Bethesda. Beside it lay a great multitude of invalids, the lame, the blind, withered, and bedridden, all waiting for the moving of the water, because at certain times an angel went 
down into the pool and troubled the water. When whoever was first to enter the water after its troubling was cured of whatsoever disease or infirmity that he had. Jesus one day walked beside the pool of Bethesda, and he saw there a man who had been infirm and lame for 38 years. Realizing he had been so long infirm, Jesus spoke to him, saying, Wilt thou be made whole? The lame man answered, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool. But while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus said to him, Rise, take up thy bed and walk. I am... uh, when I, when I talk about this, I am criticized in many cases because I have no trouble telling you <laughs> I don't believe this at all. <laughs> now, wait a minute. Did I just say I don't believe the story that Jesus is telling here or that the scriptures are telling about him? No. I'm saying that this idea of this uh, angel coming and troubling the water and whoever stepped in was healed, no, sorry. I don't believe it. I just don't. If the Lord had set up some kind of a healing pool, see, men can come up with some stuff, can't they? This is nothing but, this is just, this is as goofy as witchcraft. And I don't believe that there was a healing pool at Bethesda I don't believe that an angel went in and troubled the water. I don't believe that the first person in after the water was troubled was healed of whatever disease he had. I don't believe it. I'm sorry. I don't believe it. Now, some people say that I'm denigrating the scriptures when I say this. No, I'm not, I'm not doing that at all. I'm just saying that I happen to know the Lord God I serve, and I have never in my life ever in in all of my encounters with with him in the scriptures and his son in the scriptures i have never seen where there was a race <laughs> or a lottery or a, you know by chance kind of a blessing for god and if you're really quick <laughs> and you've got somebody to put you into the pool you know, before somebody else gets in there, that I'll heal you. Otherwise, you can just lay there for 38 years. That is so far away from my understanding of my Father God and His Son, Jesus Christ. I just simply don't believe this. Now, the other thing that, that, uh, that makes me say this is, I know people and they make up some of the goofiest stuff I've ever heard of. I mean, uh, how many of us have all heard of the, you know, the gold dust? You know, the angel dust they, they, you know, that falls on people. Uh, we've heard of the Toronto blessing. You've got to be in Toronto. Or you've got to have gold dust fall on you. Or you have to do this or do that. Or you have to be here or be there. Or you have to hear this message. Or you have to say these words. Or you have to... Come on, that's ridiculous. The other reason I don't believe it is, did this man ask for healing? It was obvious that he wanted to be made whole. It was obvious 
you know, even to ask a man that's been crippled for 38 years, do you want to be made whole? And we're going to talk about that as time goes by. But this man, you know what his trouble was? He says, I don't have help. I don't have a man to help me get into that water when the angel troubles it. Somebody steps down before me. Well, Don, if the healings weren't going on, what's the water troubling? Well, have you ever stood by a pool of water? Uh, Have you ever stood by a, um, a, a lake, a pond, or whatever? And the wind will come across it, you know, and and ripple it. Or a fish might jump up and and touch the top of the water. Or something can happen that that water is not like glass anymore. Well, I think these were all understood uh, uh, somebody, somewhere, some, some woman with nothing to do or some man with an overactive imagination somewhere turned that into an angelic presence. And uh, perhaps somebody somewhere in history or whatever, uh, you know, stumbled into, you know, down to that pool and and they got in that water and they eventually got better. Um, Now, not necessarily has to be psychosomatic. You know, a lot of times it's just it's just time. You know, that our, our bodies are, are set on heal. <laughs> That's what they're set on. It's an immune system. It's, the, it's the, the loveliness of life that no matter how sick we get, our bodies are trying to live. It's the will to live. It's, you know, people get better. I'm just saying that over time, these things turn into these big stories, um, what was it? Uh, I heard some uh, Pentecostal preacher was saying, um, "Oh, um, Jesus went to heal a man, or maybe it was Peter and John. I, I forget the particular story. You can find this. And it says he reached and took him by the right hand. And this fellow thought that this was part of the healing process. It was very, very important for you." to reach and and take with the right hand reach and take him and that that's how you make sure this healing takes place not the left hand the right hand well, you know I'm reading this and I'm thinking whose right hand <laughs> if I reach my right hand out uh am I grabbing their right hand no I'm grabbing their left hand is it his right hand or my right hand you know what these things get so silly and so, well, you may not like the word stupid, but I can't think of a better one. It's, it's ridiculous. Here, here's your test. Here's what you can do. Try it. If it doesn't work, will you walk away from that voodoo and, and seek the Lord for your healing and let, let him tell you what to do or not do or yeah, I remember one time going to the Lord about something and there was a particular food he told me not to eat anymore. You know, I didn't get that instantaneously. It was over a period of weeks. But, uh, you know, I really appreciate that. I wasn't looking for a pool with troubled water. I wasn't looking for gold dust or feeling angel wings against my cheeks or 
any of the, nobody took me by the right hand. No, go to your father about this um, and, and find out what it's all about. You know, uh, there was a man one time that uh, the disciples asked the Lord, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Remember Jesus' answer? No, this man was born blind. Now, we're talking about a man here, born blind. He has suffered blindness from the day of his birth. For what reason? That the, that the power of God might be made manifest in him. Really? Yeah, watch this. And he, and he gave him his sight back. Well, you mean this guy suffered all those years of blindness for that cause? Yeah, he did. And God just sat back and let him suffer. There was a purpose for it. Do you know there might be a purpose in whatever infirmity that you're suffering with? Whatever thing that's got you um, beset somehow, there might be a purpose. You know what? If we knew that purpose, uh, wouldn't it be easier to live with? If we even knew that there could be a purpose, it would alleviate a lot of the, tr a lot of the anxiety that we have about these kinds of things. Now, you can get a hold of this, and you can, you can run with it, and you can play with it and say, I think the Lord wants me to be 400 pounds because he wants me to because he, he wants to uh, prove his glory in my life or whatever else and, and forsake good common sense about the way we eat and the way we live and the poisons that we put into our body and the way we take care of ourselves. And you, you can you know, set all that stuff aside and say that you know, God's trying to work out something wonderful in my life. Do you know how to avoid that? I'll tell you how to avoid that. Keep his commandments. Don't disobey your conscience. Take time every day to hear the voice of God. <laughs> it's, Don, is it that simple? Yes, it is that simple. Give that a try. Don't look for, you know, white caps on the lake and call it an angel. Uh, don't look for physical manifestations or little formulas that these preachers put together for you to be healed. And if you insist... If you want to continue that way, will you just be honest? There's one of the characteristics that's missing in Christianity today. It's just honesty. Well, I'm not sick. I'm healed. <laughs> You're healed? You know, your body's ridden with some horrible liver disease or cancer or something. Well, I'm healed. Uh, oh, really? Are you really healed? Yes, I, let's praise God I'm healed. Why are you saying that? Well... Because he's been told that if he ever confesses that he's sick, he's really going to be sick. No, you really are sick. You really do have a problem. Can we just be honest about these things? And if you happen to walk up, go to Jerusalem and go see the pool of Bethesda and you see a little wind come across the water, right, run down there, get yourself soaked. But when you come out just as bad as you went in, will you just be honest about it? and say, there's no truth in that. Well, that's not faith. So since when does faith defy logic? Since when does that happen? You, you, you believe faith defies logic? Where did, where did you get that idea? Oh, that's right. I heard that too. Yeah, it came over the pulpit. 
Listen, the one who, in, who invented logic, the one that makes your brain operate by logic, the one who created you is in charge of all things. These things are, are perfectly logical. They, I mean, they are according to the Word of God that set these things up at the very beginning that uh, we have the, uh, our bodies have the ability to heal and there is such a thing as supernatural healing. But as Jesus walked by a man, the Father didn't say, heal that guy. Well, why, Father? Why would I heal him? Because he's sick. You know, where do we get the idea that necessity empowers or, or activates God? There's all kinds of necessity out there. There's all kinds of problems out there. And nothing is being, essentially, very few things are being acted upon. Very few things are changing. Jesus walked by a man at the gate they called Beautiful. That man laid there at that gate all those years, Jesus walked by him. He never touched him. He never spoke to him. He never, not that, not that we have a, of record. We do know that he never healed him. Peter, James, and John walked by him. And what happened? The father spoke to them. said, that man over there, he's got the faith to be healed. And, and the Bible says that they perceived that he had the faith to be healed. Well, this is somebody that's hearing within their spirit. You know what this is? You know what these guys are? They're guys who keep the commandments of God. They don't disobey their conscience, and they take time every day to hear the voice of God. God says, walk over there and, and pick that guy up. Let's send him home healed. You know what? His ankle bones received strength, and he leaped, and he danced, and he, he was on his feet. Why? The father was involved in that, in that decision the Father was involved in that healing. There wasn't any angel out there stirring the water. There wasn't any angel dust. There wasn't any formulaic equations being little check boxes. He didn't go over there and tell the guy to speak positive confessions of faith you know, and then avoid anything that's you know, negative confessions. He didn't do any of that stuff. They did what the Father said to do. But what if the Father doesn't say it? Leave it alone. Leave it alone. Can you imagine doing that? Can you imagine being the instrument of a healing and not telling anybody? We're going we're gonna to talk about the, the ego aspect as time goes on. Thanks so much for being part of the program. Time to, to go is quickly approaching. Join us next time to hear more about the words of Jesus. Hey, I want to hear from you. If you'd like to um, write to me, I would love to hear from you. You can do that instantly. Just send an email to don at thinkreading.com. You want to be a part of what we're doing here? Uh, let me give you my post office address. Uh, Think Red Ink Ministries, P.O. Box 718, Pytown, New Mexico, 87827. And until next time, thanks so much for being a part. We'll see you then. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Don C. Harris of Think Red Ink Ministries. 
Email don at thinkredink.com. That's thinkredink.com. Join us again for the next episode in the Words of Jesus series.